Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to welcome to the International Church of Vilnius. Uh, today, unfortunately, we don't have our organist Oste, so we'll be uh, acoustic today. I want to welcome you this morning. Thank you for being here. It's always a blessing to see you all here and to be able to worship and to sing together. Our first hymn this morning is hymn 412, which is 412, Be Thou My Vision. Christ. Let us draw near to God our Father with a true heart to confess our sins and ask Him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to forgive us. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. 
for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. May the Father of all mercies cleanse us from our sins and restore us in his image to the praise and glory of his name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Blessed is the Lord, for he has heard the voice of our prayer. Therefore shall our heart dance for joy, and in our song we will praise our God. Our responsive reading this morning comes from Psalm 138. Though the Lord is exalted, he looks kindly on the lowly. Though lofty, he sees them from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. The Lord will vindicate me. Your love, Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the work of your hands. Please remain standing for the readings. Our first reading comes from the book of the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. 
because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor to, or, or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Second reading is the gospel reading. It comes from Mark chapter 6, verses 6 through 13. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Calling the twelve to him, he began to send out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any, any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. This is the Gospel of Christ. Praise to you, O Christ. Corinthians 10. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. This is the word of the Lord. You be seated. Thank you, Michael and Bill. Context of 2 Corinthians 10 is Paul is writing to them saying that he's coming to them soon and he's going to address some issues that are problems. Things that they find themselves doing and acting in that are inappropriate towards uh, their Christian life, both in the relationship with others and the relationship with God. And so Paul is combating this from afar. Our text today brings up the issue of strongholds or a military installation. A stronghold is something that keeps someone captive, someone of faith who may want to do something maybe that's related to their freedom, maybe live their life according to Christ. But there's something that keeps them maybe shackled or imprisoned. I ask you this morning, what are the strongholds in your life? What are the things that keep you from doing what you want to do? And that may be an external force. It may be a disability. It may be someone in your life that's, that has power over you that's keeping you from doing something. It may be internal. It may be an emotion. It may be something that you're dealing with. It may be a thought process. It may be a habit or a pattern that you feel like you want to get out of, but you can't. 
Whatever it may be, it may be a relationship, it may be a memory, it may be something that happened to you in the past, or maybe something you did, and it's, it's, and it's keeping you imprisoned maybe in your mind and in your emotions. What strongholds are present in your life? Because once we have the answer to that question, we have an answer here that Paul gives us, and that is that the divine power and the knowledge of God have been given to us through the gospel of Christ to transform our lives and to break our strongholds. The divine power and the divine knowledge that comes from God has been given to us through the gospel of Jesus to transform our lives and to break our strongholds. Now, if we the, the passage here starts in, in, in verse 3, but... The chapter starts in verse 1 where he says, By meekness and gentleness of Christ I appeal to you. Paul is their authoritative figure. He planted their church. He's their spiritual father. And yet we see the way that he approaches them, even though he disagrees with them very strongly, is not with a heavy hand. But he says with meekness and the gentleness of Christ. And we'll get back to that in a second. But he gets into his argument in verse 3, where where we'll pick up. He says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world wages war. Now this can be taken two ways, I think. Human war and spiritual war. Though we Christians, Paul is saying, we live in this world that acts according to certain ways, but we don't necessarily follow those ways in our efforts to do the same thing. So maybe the world's path to peace is war. Now think about that. The world's path to justice is judgment. But for the Christian, there's a different way that we wage war. And let's start with the human war. The world attacks their enemies with violence. The world tries to make other people come to justice, and sometimes this is appropriate. But maybe on a personal level, when we see someone that's doing something that we don't like, or maybe something that that someone has done against us, maybe the natural reaction is to get aggressive and to bring that person to justice. But Paul says, look, that's the way the world works, but that's not the way we work as Christians. Why? Because that's not the way Christ works as Lord. The world attacks their enemies with violence. But the spiritual aspect, too, the world wages... The world doesn't really wage war against spiritual things. The world says those spiritual things don't exist. And the spiritual aspects that we know as Christians that are real, that affect us, sometimes daily, sometimes in our strongholds, the world covers that up and says, no, there must be some answer. There must be some other reason for that. That's, that, sounds, that sounds too hokey. That sounds too spiritual. Or maybe it's even extremely spiritual and creates this whole other worldview and culture that tries to cover up why the spiritual aspect is troubled. The world covers up spiritual enemies with coping mechanisms. 
So he starts by saying, look, you are in a warfare, but the way that you're fighting is incorrect. And you're trying to fight the way the world fights. So he's going to lead us into an answer, a better way. But let's continue. Verse 4, he says, the weapons, okay, he's talked about this, this, this fight. And I think what he has in mind is a metaphor for, for conflict. Not necessarily that we're, we're, as Christians, we're fighting people in the world, but rather that we're, we're in a conflict and the way that we handle it depends on our perspective. So he says, verse 4, the weapons that we fight with are not weapons of the world. Again, humans combat darkness with weapons. But he says, humans, the people that you come in contact in your life that may be against you, we combat the darkness that they do and the darkness that maybe our relationship causes with love and holy living. The way that Christ himself came to this earth and dealt with human beings is our model. And the weapons that we fight with are our words and our actions, but on the spiritual level, our strength and our weapons is the Holy Spirit. The way that we fight, the way that we fight spiritual darkness in our life is through the power of God. Because he says, on the contrary, these weapons, he says they in verse 4, the weapons have divine power. What is divine power but the ability from God? You see, the world fights against certain things a certain way because they don't have the ability to actually deal with the issue at the root level. It's only a response to a consequence. It's very, it's, it's, it's very reactionary. But what Paul's talking about here is the divine power and knowledge of God that's been given to us through the gospel to transform our lives, not just to change our behavior. He says, on the contrary, they have the divine power, these weapons that he's speaking of, that are abilities that come from God. And we look at the life of Jesus. We can look at the life of Jesus who comes in humility, who comes in divine power, and how does he display this power? He gets on a cross and dies when he should be the one that's judging us. And that judgment will come, but his perspective is a model for us. They have divine power. They have the divine power to do what? The text says to demolish strongholds. I asked you what the strongholds are in your life because the gospel wants to demolish those with divine power and transform your life. And even though this is based on our efforts, to some extent, we have to get up in the morning to do certain things. We have to make the decision of, of following this or not. But the divine power in our lives goes far beyond our temperament or our ten tendency to work hard or to get things done. This is a transformational thing, to demolish strongholds, both human and supernatural. I said that strongholds in this particular context is a fortress or a military installation. We have to view that or we'll fail to understand 
what our sin and what darkness in the world is like. We set up these fortresses. We guard our hearts. We cope with things that we've dealt with and we defend ourselves. If we're insecure, we overcompensate with pride and arrogance. If we feel poor and weak, we overcompensate that by showing and, and having external things that make people think that we're valuable. We set up fortresses in our own hearts that protect us from the world and our own sin, but we also have an enemy that holds us captive. That freedom can only come from the gospel. I don't want to over-spiritualize it, but I wonder why Saturdays are so nice and Sundays are so dark and gloomy. They keep people from coming to church. Why our organist and the backup organist happen to be injured on the same day, two weeks before the Easter service on television. Could be coincidence. But I imagine the more and more that we talk to each other in this bleak winter, we have a common experience of the feeling of darkness and maybe hopelessness or maybe depression. There are strongholds in this city that we pray against every week. The gospel wants to demolish those. And there's also something else that the gospel demolishes. He says, arguments, verse 5, arguments and any pretension. In this particular case, arguments is related to the Greek word logos, logic, calculations, thinking, philosophies. Philosophies that say, well, we can talk through these problems that we face. We can talk through the problems of human nature. We can talk through these conflicts that, that nations have against each other. And have those resulted in anything over the hundreds of years, at least in, in the recorded history of our nations? We demolish arguments, the world's wisdom, the world's answers by looking to the life of Jesus. It's totally different. The conflict cannot be solved with our own logic and calculations. He says also every pretension. A pretension is a, a, is a facade. It's a fakeness. It's a covering up. If you look outside, some of these, these walls in the city have, have a facade of, of stucco. And, and underneath it, you see the bricks. You see the structure. Now imagine if the bricks of your life are exposed and you really want the facade to show because it's nice out there. But on the inside, it's not nice. A pretension is, is, is the world's answer to problems. Cover things up. Hide things. Don't focus on your weaknesses. Focus on what you're good at. Hide the weaknesses. But the gospel says it's important for us to know where we fail in order to know where we can be saved. It goes beyond the wisdom of the world. It requires the wisdom of God that's rooted only in the gospel. We demolish arguments in any pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. What is the knowledge and the wisdom of God? What has God shown us except His own self through Christ? Knowing Him, knowing His wisdom, just the very act of forgiving your enemies is a fundamental aspect of the wisdom of God that goes against all things of the world. To love your enemies, to serve, 
to confess sins openly and to fight with love and peace, trusting that redemption and hope comes from God on that day when we see him for who he really is. Sets itself up against the knowledge of God, these arguments and the pretensions. But he says we take every thought captive. Though we depend on the work of Christ, though we depend on what God has done for us, it requires us to take every thought captive. Notice the the imagery here. We have experienced strongholds, and so we have to take our minds and put it in a stronghold and say, I am going to control my end of the deal here. It's an active fight. It's an awareness of how we live in the world. You see, if we have these strongholds that we can't fix... How can we take control of our minds and live and have a perspective that's effective? We have to deal with the strongholds through the power of God, which enables us through the Holy Spirit to take thoughts captive, to be active, to fight. When we live and when we don't want to love, when we live and we don't want to serve, why do we do this? To make it obedient to Christ. It is the mind, the thoughts that are captive. To make the mind obedient to Christ. To live in a way that's honoring to Him. Which is kind of a a cyclical thing. Because once we become obedient to Christ, we can go back to this issue in verse 1 about our lifestyles. That when 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 our perspective is right and we begin to honor God for who He is, it changes our lifestyle. And then in turn, when our lifestyle has been changed, we begin to wage war correctly. Not according to the world, but according to the gospel. You see that it's cyclical? It's seasonal. Strongholds can be seasonal. Your problems can be seasonal. You may be dealing with something right now or this year that you will never deal with again. And you may just be free from it. Or it may just... Maybe all this that we've experienced this year, maybe it's, it's not anything new. Maybe it just revealed something that was always there. I know I can say that for me. What strongholds are present in your life? What are the things that affect you to your core that you want to change, that you know maybe are wrong, either morally or just wrong because you know that it hurts you? The divine power and knowledge of God have been given to us through Jesus Christ and the gospel to transform our lives and to break down these strongholds and to replace it with something that is quite frankly, beyond our understanding. He wants that for you now. He wants that for you this year, today, this week. And it's possible. There's hope that it's possible. It's not impossible to move beyond these strongholds. We have to fight with the right weapons. Let's take a couple minutes just to think of some of the things that we're dealing with and to give those to God through Christ.
then we'll stand together and we'll recite what it is that we believe, which is so important to follow up these contemplations, I guess you could say, about what these texts are talking about, to follow it up with what it is that we believe. Such a great reminder. So let's take, let's take a minute and then we'll stand for the Apostles' Creed. Lord, we offer these thoughts and prayers to you. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? Recite the Apostles' Creed. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. You can be seated. At this time, at this time, we'll be taking our offering. You come up, Michael. Thank you. opportunity to come together and to to sing and to read your word to recite what we believe to confess and most importantly God to remind each other of not only the presence of each other in each other's lives but the presence of you in our lives I pray God that we would have more of a mindset that is aware of that our minds would be held captive, that, that we would be so trained 
to rely on you and to remember your goodness that our lives would be transformed and the strongholds of our lives would be broken. The things that keep us from you, the strategic temptations of darkness to keep us from having a real life in you, God. Please continue to work in this city. Break down strongholds not only in our life, but in this city. Oppressive thoughts, darkness, greed and materialism, jealousy, bitterness, anger. God, tear through these things, addictions. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God, we thank you for this church. We thank you for your church. And the billions of people in this world that are celebrating this day, celebrating the gospel, God, I pray that our prayers would come together as a, a fragrant offering to you. You deserve the worship that we give because of who you are and what you've shown and what we've experienced through the life of Christ and through his Holy Spirit, God. Please continue to move in our lives and in the lives of this city. People who don't know you, people that were around where we might have a possible influence, God, please use us as instruments of your goodness. I pray that you would change and transform our lives this week. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And God, we lift up our world. We lift up, lift up our broken world that seeks so diligently for answers and logic and pretense and calculated plans and fakeness. God, I pray that you would break through. I pray that you would end conflicts. And I pray, God, that disadvantaged people would sense your goodness. I pray that you would use those on the right side or the, the blessed side of advantage to be generous and to support and to give. God, we pray that you would, in this generation, make such an incredible difference in the world through your gospel that the, the world will be a different place. That's a bold prayer, but we pray that it would be true. Would you give that to us? Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And we'll, we'll end our prayer with the Lord's Prayer, as he taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. I love this last hymn. Hymn 113 in the hymnal, it's, it's holy, holy, holy.
receive the Lord's benediction. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. The word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Amen. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.